Here we go! Everybody, this is your favorite Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. This is your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. Ooh, that's right. And once again, we have a returning guest host uh, in the form of G.I. Foley. I'm back for my fifth. Where is my yes. smoking jacket? That's it. I know. Mike, yeah, we were supposed to, like, bar her from any more appearances because now we got to buy her a smoking jacket. Dang, that's right. I have well, my own just in case. <laughs> I hope that, uh, I hope that uh, smoking jackets are considered an, an essential service because otherwise it's not going to be coming anytime soon, right? And, and I believe when we started the podcast... You said you take care of all the Canadian guests. <laughs> yeah, and I have. <laughs> so she's your responsibility. Yeah, okay. <laughs> as long as you get me like a, 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 pin sh- fi- a pin-shaped, a five-shaped pin, all right. that'll work. <laughs> oh, okay, just a pin. There you go. Right. Well, it's up <laughs> to you, Michael. But anyway, Jolie, thanks for joining us again five times. Absolutely. Jolie, you love Flea Market Fantasy. Um, I would. That's like a mm, stretch. Hey, you could say love. Come on, I'll say love. Our luck here. No, no. How much of it being uh, you're being on five times is because you love flea market fantasy, or because you're quarantined and can't leave the house? Uh, I love my sense of obligation to the work that I do for comic books. So right. also quarantine. <laughs> yes, that's what I figured. Yeah. All right, so so Mike L, this week you picked Iron Man 116, that's 116 right. from right. 1978. Uh, why'd you pick Iron Man, Mike L? Good question. It is because I grew up reading um, Iron Man by uh, David Michelinie, John Romita Jr., and Bob Layton, right? Okay. But I read their their second run, which, uh, sorry, actually, John Romita Jr. didn't draw the second run. That was uh, Mark Bright. But I grew up on uh, Michelini and Layton, and then it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I found out they did the infamous Demon in a Bottle storyline from around this time. And so I went back and I decided, you know, to start right at the beginning. So this is actually the very first issue by Michelini and Layton, and then Romita started an yeah. issue earlier. But this is the first one with all three of them together. Yes. And Jolie, what's your history with Iron Man? I have read Demon in a Bottle, and I've seen every Robert Downey Jr. movie. Yeah, like that's really what uh, Iron Man's popularity is due to, is basically Robert Downey Jr., right? Yes. I mean... That's, what, that's what's funny, is like, to an average kid, we were talking about this last week, but to an average kid, he's probably the most popular Marvel character. But I mean, when we were growing up in the 80s, he was probably right at the bottom, right? Uh, near the bottom. Like, he yeah. was always second tier, I would say. Yeah, and then, second tier. And then... Uh, but when that movie came out, do you remember when they announced they're making an Iron Man movie? It's like, who canceled Iron Man? What are you doing? Yeah. And that just became a huge hit all because of uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, uh, I know John Romita felt this way, uh, John Romita Jr., that he felt Tony Stark was way more interesting than Iron Man. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he absolutely is. I totally agree with him. <laughs> yes. And I think you saw that in the films. Like the best scenes are with Robert Downey Jr. being Robert Downey Jr., and then, so, I, I don't know. Uh, Jolie, do you have a favorite uh, Iron Man moment in any of the movies or a favorite movie? Because really, let's be serious. The, the, the straight Iron Man movies, the first one's okay. I mean, it's good. Uh, the second one, with Whiplash and that, not the best. And the third's even not that great. Yet, True. everyone loves them. Because the Avengers, I think, right? You know, it, yeah, it's funny. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jolie. Do you have a favorite moment? 
Um, no, I would say everything outside of the Avengers I enjoy. I really wish really? they hadn't like, so, like it really was the, it really was Iron Man that kind of took off, and then the universe was sort of like built upon that, and I, I. I felt like it cheapened it a little bit. Like it cheapened the magic, I should say. So you and like liked, you liked Whiplash and everything in number two? I liked the Iron Man movies just because oh. I was finally able to see like a billionaire inventor, brilliant scientist sort of guy, like, you know, treated well, not like, you know, the way Joel Schumacher treated Batman. Like it could be <laughs> it could be cartoony and campy and the the villains could be exactly what they were in the comic book and it could be serious. Um, my favorite part was when he was in that little bunker, like he was imprisoned um, in the Middle East, I think. And uh, he creates his heart, his mm. heart. Yeah. He yeah, creates the, heart, yeah. the reactor. That was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. That, that first movie was really good. I, I just, I guess my disappointment with it was uh, I thought the villain could have been better. I don't know, but uh... That goes for most Marvel movies and yeah. up until recently, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like most villains are like, you know, born of camp. So. And really, who would be the best Iron Man villain, Michael? Can you like who would be that guy? That's a, you know, it's funny because I, I don't really know. Like growing up, I always thought his like opposite would have been like Titanium Man or Simpson yeah. Dynamo. Maybe they're the first two that came to my mind as well. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I mean. I don't know. I mean, Mandarin, but he wasn't really around much when I was reading it. So I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah, he doesn't really have that one villain that stands out. But, um, Not really, you know, no. What can he do? Um, yeah, I wasn't a big Iron Man fan when I was a kid. I didn't read a lot of it. Um, I don't know. He's fine. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for me, my brother, like me and my brother both bought comics and a, a few of them overlapped, like Batman or whatever, but... A couple of the ones he bought that I didn't buy were, one was Punisher, uh, one was Arak. You ever read Arak? Never heard of it. A-R-A-K. He's like a, kind of like a Conan imitation. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. And then another one was Iron Man. And I, I it was the same writer as Amazing Spider-Man at the time, so I definitely liked it, but I didn't love it as much as I loved like X-Men and Spider-Man and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Well, Iron Man, he, his first appearance, uh, do you know his first appearance, Michael? trivia tales of suspense that's right tales 39 of suspense. right 39 1963 created by lee and kirby and don heck and larry lieber took four right. people to create iron man yes <laughs> people uh did he always keep his uniform in a box yeah he, like in a suitcase like that i guess we got to talk about that scene when we get there holy hell I got some complaints about this. Yeah, because okay, I remember seeing the tales of suspense, and he's like in a big gray suit. Yeah, it was it was gray. Then he painted it gold, ah, and then I think that was a Kirby did. design. And then Steve Ditko redesigned the costume to make it more form fitting. And I think that's when he started carrying it around in a briefcase. Yeah, Jolie, that original. I, I forgot about that. He he used to wear this this big bulky gray armor, like uh, mm -hmm. more like a robot. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. that's uh yeah, how, how many armors has he had over the years, Michael? Like 2,000? Oh, uncountable. Like when I was yeah. a kid, it was maybe up to like, say, seven or eight. By, and now it's got to be like at least twice as that, you know, twice as many as that. Yeah, I remember the big bulky one. Then, like you said, uh, he got the gold and red, the more most familiar uh, or probably the most popular version, the gold and red. 
And then uh, remember, Mike, how he had the uh, like triangular thing on his chest, and it, he was yep. like red and silver. Yes, they called that the. I think they called that the Centurion armor or something. Yeah. Silver Centurion from the Centurion. Yeah, he's got a lot of armors. Yeah. Well, then, and then maybe basically it stayed roughly the same until uh, Brian Hitch redesigned it for Ultimates, and that's where you get the one they used in the movie with the completely different helmet. And a completely different, you know, design. Because really, if you look at his costume in, in this issue, it might as well be made of spandex, right? Like, yes, that's it's really, yeah, it's really. That's another thing uh, John Romita said that he didn't really enjoy drawing uh, Iron Man. I mean, he liked it, but he preferred drawing Thor. He sure. was doing Thor around the same time because he said the thing about Iron Man is the costume made no sense. Right. Like, right. Yeah, it's supposed to be made out of metal, but there's no joints, no hinges. Like, uh, it makes no sense. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Well, good thing nanotechnology is yes. created. <laughs> that was the big thing, Jolie, the nanotech, because that makes it awesome in the movies. Like his armor just sprouts out of like a little microchip or something, like you know, so he can have it anywhere. But oh, yeah. uh, possibities become endless. Yeah, at it, that point. <laughs> that's what it really needed. Because when you break down this armor in this era of Iron Man, it makes no sense. So two thousand, that's when he got the nanotech under Warren Ellis. But before that, it was just like the spandex look. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so strange because yeah. I don't know. But anyway, like it's comic books. I don't know why they didn't just do it before Secret Wars. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> right. It just I don't know, make sense. Anyway. <laughs> um, so let's get back to this issue here. Uh, what, what's this issue called, Michael? I forget. Like the name of the story is. Yeah. Let me see here. It is Anguish Once Removed. Anguish Once Removed. <laughs> And there are some characters we need to talk about to introduce here. Uh, the, the first one we should mention is Count Nefaria. Right. Count Nefaria. And, Michael, you remember when we, uh, I think in the past we were talking about the the X-Men, the giant, all giant-sized X-Men one. Uh, that was Count Nefaria. Well, that was Krakoa, right? And then <laughs> yeah. their first uh, guy they fought after that was Count Nefaria. Oh, really? I forgot about that. Okay. Where Thunderbird okay. died. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was Count Nefarious plane he was trying to rip apart when okay. it blew up or whatever. So, uh, but his real name is Luciano Nefaria. His first appearance in Avengers 13, 1965, created by Lee and Kirby. He's a wealthy Italian nobleman who essentially ran the Magia International Crime Network. And he was obsessed with advanced technology. And prior to this issue, he, he had attempted to gain superpowers. And that made him age rapidly. So in this issue, he's just an old man in a wheelchair. Huh. But that's Count Nefaria. So, there you go. And his daughter is uh, Madame Mask. Yep. And her real name is Julietta Nefaria. And her first appearance was Tales of Suspense 97, 1968, created by Stan Lee and Gene Colan. And her mother died during childbirth. So, uh, Count Nefaria asked a wealthy industrialist named Byron Frost to raise her. No relation to Emma Frost. Huh. Hmm. Uh, but she grew up, uh, Madame Mask, as Whitney Frost, a wealthy socialite. And then when Frost died, she learned that her father was really Count Nefaria, and she started working for him in his criminal organization, and she became the leader of the U.S. branch of the Magia. Nice. And she went by the code name Big M. <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, Frank Mahovlich, legendary left wing for the Toronto Maple Leaf. Okay. <laughs> so, the Big M. But uh, her Magia work caused her to have run-ins with Iron Man. And on one occasion when she was trying to flee from Iron Man, her plane crashed. 
and she was saved by a villain named Mordecai Midas. Are you hmm. familiar with him, Michael? I am not, no. I had never heard of him either. Jolie the big M- double M. <laughs> yeah, the big double yeah. M. Mordecai Midas. I guess he's a Greek fella who was obsessed with gold. So huh. hence the name Midas there at the end. And he's the one who gave Madame Mask her gold mask because her face was horribly scarred in the plane crash. Huh. So he gave her a gold mask to wear over top of it uh, to protect her face. And she started to serve him as his little, uh, you know, henchwoman or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they got uh, Midas had some plan where he kidnapped Tony Stark. And Tony Stark showed compassion for Madame Mask, even though, you know, she scarred and whatnot. He didn't care. So she uh, was swooned for Tony Stark and saved Tony Stark. And betrayed Mordecai Midas. Hmm. And then they separated. She, uh, but she always liked Tony Stark. So somehow, Michael, I, this is part I don't understand. Mm-hmm. She goes undercover. Uh, as She adorns a secret identity named, uh, what was it? Uh, Lizzie, uh, K- Chrissy? Chrissy Longfellow. Fellow. Chrissy <laughs> Longfellow. So she becomes Tony Stark's personal assistant. But she no longer wears the mask. She looks like a normal lady. So I don't know when her face healed. I don't know that either. I never read that story, but that's kind of interesting. And oh. Tony Stark does not know that Chrissy Longfellow is Madame Mask. Madame Mask does not know that Tony Stark is Iron Man. Uh, and then they figure it all out and they fall in love. Gotcha. So that's why they're boyfriend, girlfriend here. <laughs> boyfriend, girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, one other, oh, a couple other people we need to mention real quick. Uh, Spy Master, yeah, shows up in this issue. His real name is Ted Calloway. First appearance, <laughs> Iron Man 33, 1971, created by Alan Brodsky and Don Heck. And he's the leader of the espionage elite. They're very good. <laughs> and he's in constant conflict with Stark Industries. So I guess he's like a uh, corporate spy or something. He's trying to bring down Stark Industries. Hmm. Can you tell us anything else about Spy Master, Michael? Oh, only that he's got a cool costume and he had a really cool entry in Marvel Universe. That's all I know about him. And I think I, in one of the many times that I, you know, just ripped off pictures from Marvel Universe, I ripped off his picture because it was so good. Well, describe his costume. You, you love it so much. <laughs> you love it so much. Why don't you marry it? <laughs> um, basically, uh, I don't know. It's kind, of, it's kind of like a fairly standard suit. Now that I'm looking at it, it's almost like Spider-Man where he's got kind of like a middle section that goes up his chest that's yellow that goes into his shoulders. Then he has yellow gloves, yellow boots, but then he has blue pants and kind of like blue, like um, uh, like the sides of his torso are blue. But then his mask is cool because it's got like, a, I don't know, it's blue, but it's got like a yellow kind of part covering the bottom half of his face. And obviously the rest of his face is covered except for his eyes. So that's pretty cool. And then he's got like, what is that, like a circle on his chest with a knife through it? Yeah, that was the yeah. weird the little logo there was strange. Now, now Jolie, I'm sure you, you know all about Spymaster, right? I like, do uh, now. <laughs> yeah, I, I never knew he existed until this. So I have no idea. <laughs> Spymaster. And finally, we need to talk. Espionage is my bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one day you can be a part of the espionage elite. <laughs> uh, one final group of people we need to mention, Michael. Yeah. The Ant-Man. The Anti-Men. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were great. Uh, their first, they first <laughs> appeared in Daredevil 10, 1965, created by Wally Wood. 
And basically, I actually read this storyline back in the day, and I forgot about this. Okay. But there was a guy trying to run for uh, mayor of New York City. He was a criminal mastermind named Abner Joan, Jonas. Okay. And he, he went by the name The Organizer. And it was a big mystery <laughs> who he was. Like, okay. like, like we were introduced to, Joan, uh, to uh, Abner Jonas, but we didn't know who The Organizer was in the story. It was a big mystery over a, like three or four issues. And as part of his plan to become mayor of New York, he, he, he recruited four criminals and he dressed them up in animal outfits because that's immediately what you want to do when you're trying <laughs> to take over New York City. It's dress criminals up in animal yeah, right. outfits. With little so, antenna on their ears. But anyway. Yes. <laughs> so we have Birdman and his real name was Henry Hawk. Hence, he becomes Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> then we have Francois Frog LeBlanc. <laughs> his nickname is Frog because he's a Frenchie. And he gets he becomes Frogman. Then we have Ape Man, and his real name is Gordon Monk Kiefer. <laughs> so his nickname was Monk. He becomes Ape Man. So finally, we have Catman, and his real name is Townsend Horgan. What? What? <laughs> what? Uh, like, couldn't you couldn't you get some sort of a cat sounding name in there? Guess not, eh? Seems weird. Huh. Yeah, Jolie, is this your first experience with the Annie Men? I believe so. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what? They didn't really include them enough to uh, <laughs> make a mark. I guess. I mean, they included them enough that stuff happened, but well, they made a mark because uh, they blew up and they all died in this issue. Yeah. This is the this is the final appearance of this group of Annie Men. Damn. Although the Annie-Men would uh, appear in other comics after this, but there would be different car- different people wearing they find guys with names that sort of match up with what animal they are? <laughs> yeah, except for one guy whose name doesn't match up at all. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also a lady Annie-Men, I guess an Annie-Woman, named, uh, I think, Dragonfly. Oh, that's right. right. I remember her now, yep. But, uh, all right, so those she are all the... Be in the second iteration of the group. Uh... Yeah, I think so. Either that or she like popped in and then wasn't here for this. I can't remember the sequence of events. But yeah, she probably was just part of the second one. But, uh, I don't know. All right, so those are all the key players here in this uh, Titanic tale. So, <laughs> Hey, what about the cover, Michael? Let's talk about the cover. The cover, all right. Um, hold on a sec here. Uh, I'm going to click back. I was looking them up in Marvel Universe. Sorry. Um, so on the cover here, we have Iron Man, who's holding up this contraption. I believe it's the, they, they, they give it a name in the issue. It's the something for Jupiter, Jupiter something, I don't know. Yeah, Tony, Stark invented, yeah, Tony Stark invented it to explore Jupiter. Right, the surface of Jupiter, right? Anyway, um, and so then, uh, and then Madame Mask is on top of it, and that's pretty much it. It just says, the invincible Iron Man, the murder machines of Madame Mask. That's all it says. Yeah, and this was drawn by John Romita Jr. and Bob Layton, and I like, uh, I always go back to uh, the How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way book with Stanley and John Buscema, and just like the poses and the composition and the, the tilting of the machine, sure. look at Madame Ma- Mask, her, uh, the way she's positioned, like lunging, and everything's very dynamic, and under- Iron Man's really straining, trying to lift the machine. Right. This is classic Marvel comic book art. I agree. And even like the details of his feet smashing through the metal, yep. right? Because it's so heavy. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good stuff. 
And, uh, and Is Jolie, the- it's still only 35 cents. So. Mm-hmm. Is Iron Man always on a like downward facing tilt like that? No. Cool. I just want to say that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's also weird that, yeah, he's kind of in shadow. So, he's kind of, so I was making the thumbnail. It was kind of difficult because he's kind of in shadow. But, yeah, it's a very cool image. No, I mean, yeah, you, you know what I mean, right? The title, his Oh, the title. Brand. Oh, the logo. Yeah. That, this I thought you were talking about Iron Man himself. And I'm like, yeah, oh, that is. Oh, yeah, that logo is great, especially with the rivets. Is that what those are called? Yep. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, one of his best logos for sure. But, yeah, that is a good. Was it always like that, though, Michael? Like tilted forward like that? Or is oh, that just well, because of it, at least for a couple of years, yeah, definitely. Oh, I hmm. thought maybe just because of the machine and the way Madame Mask is. No, stuff. no. Like, yeah, if you go to the next issue, uh, it's the same. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Fair enough. All right, so uh, now we start the issue, Anguish Once Removed, and we get a big splash page of uh, Ape Man cracking uh, Tony Stark, Michael. Yep. Yeah, so basically, and I did read the uh, previous issue like a year ago, but I don't really remember quite what happened. But so, yeah, they've broken into uh, Tony Stark's office. And obviously, you know, back in these days, no one knew that Tony Stark was Iron Man, right? So they're just attacking Tony Stark, beating the, the spit out of him. And in the background, we see Madame Mask and Count Afaria just chatting it up. Yeah, but for a second, I thought it was Charles Xavier. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? exactly. <laughs> and so anyway, so yeah, they're fighting. And, you know, obviously, the Man have to narrate what they're doing as they're doing it. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I guess the point, Michael, real quick, I think... Uh, Count Nefaria hired the Anti-Men. He recruited them to get revenge against Starker because he needs like Stark technology to reverse his aging process. Right, right. Okay. So that's what they're trying to do here, I guess. <laughs> like I just love this line. A few more like that, and Stark's face won't be nothing but a bruise with a mustache. <laughs> he's like, that's good lines right there. So yeah, so they're fighting uh, Tony Stark, and you know he's basically like, even though he's trying to hide his secret identity, he's you know he's like he's still kind of talking tough. If you caution maniacs think you're up against a helpless desk jockey, you haven't done your research on Tony Stark. Or yeah. else you know that I used to make my living from munitions. So yeah, like he's got weapons all around that he's going to use on these guys. So he starts shooting them. Cha-bam, bam, 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 right? <laughs> it's a good thing all these samples are real guns. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I know, eh? But my favorite is he unloads on them. And uh, however, though the harsh crack of explosive bullets <laughs> scatters the startled anti-men. There are no direct hits. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then, yeah, because then this, this comic would be over pretty quickly, right? Yeah, it is. But the, they're not even that far away from each other. He uh, should have hit at least one of them. Yeah, yeah, he gives this big speech about how you can't underestimate Tony Stark. Yeah. You know how to use weapons. And then he fires at guys dressed in giant animal costumes and he can't hit any of them. Yeah, you're right. And then two panels later, he's knocked unconscious. <laughs> Some, yeah, someone oh, yeah. spent a little too much time making guns and not enough time <laughs> learning where to shoot them. Right. Frogman <sighs> uh, jumps right on his chest. What? Yeah, I <laughs> love that. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, it, they have to actually call attention to the fact that it's an interlude. So then yeah. they... It says interlude the first. Yeah, let's be real. Let's be as pretentious as we can about being an interlude. interlude right, right. <laughs> so then we see a mysterious shadowy figure get out of a car, get into an elevator, and then come up to the uh, rooftop of a building. We don't know who it is, right? So yeah. then we cut back, and then we see Count Nefaria talking to Madame Mask and kind of giving some of his backstory, referencing back to Avengers and Iron Man and previous Iron Man comics. And then we cut back to... Uh, oh, one, one thing, one quick sure. thing here about Madame Mask and Count Nefaria. 
like here he calls her Whitney, like because it is his daughter. But yeah. I, I think the first splash page, he calls her Madam Mask. Uh, I know Madam Mask. That's precisely what I had in mind. So it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, that is a little bit Madame weird. Mask. You could say that. Yeah. That's Maybe weird. it's just because it was the first page and they want the readers to know. Yeah, that's why they did it. Yeah. But it's <clears throat> weird. Yeah. So then now we have inter- interlude the second. And we have Spymaster on the roof. And we see that really cool costume, right? Yes, yeah, Spymaster. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he activates a device that he, I guess, has installed in uh, in uh, Stark's office, right? Yeah, an like explosive device. Yeah, because he what he has there is a detonator. Right. Yeah, yeah it looks like it's under Stark's desk. Right, uh-huh. right, and it activates a timer, thirty seconds, right? So yep. then here we have uh, Ape Man throwing Stark, and you know, and and now basically. Oh. Oh, I guess we should mention, Michael, that Spymaster, when he's hitting the detonator, he says that his clients, someone hired him to kill Stark, I guess. Yes, that's right. That's right. And then, uh, and then Stark is basically like, well, you know what? I know I'm trying to hide my secret identity, but screw this. i got to turn to Iron Man or else I'm dead. <laughs> yes. So there, here is where he opens up a briefcase <laughs> that's as thick as my laptop and pulls out the Iron Man armor and, start, and puts it on. Yeah, he, he the armor, and he Much. slowly starts getting dressed in front of everybody. And they cut like one panel of him putting on a glove. Then uh, they cut to the anime men like, what's going on? They're all looking, hey, wh- what's he doing? Then they cut back to him. He's putting on a boot. They cut back to the anime men. Oh, holy spit. Tony yeah, Stark yeah. is really- <laughs> It's like this process will take about 30 minutes, I guess. I know. <laughs> Jeez. And all of the while, the same amount of shock that this is happening yeah. on my face is matched by the Annie Men, Count Nefaria, yeah. and Madame Mask. They're all <laughs> flabbergasted, and so am I. <laughs> Madame Mask knows he's Iron Man at this point, but yeah, she's I guess su- she's surprised. Like, hey, he's he's turning into Iron Man right in front of everybody. Yeah. What's going on? But uh, it, it's so funny how the uh, briefcase, you see like the gloves, the helmet, the boots... But where's all the yellow armor? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like the legs and yeah. the upper body. Like, I how did he get that on so quick? Because the one I panel think... he's pulling on a glove, he does not have the yellow armor on. The next uh-huh. panel, the glove's on, the yellow armor suddenly appears on his arm. I don't, I'm so confused. I think they explain that by basically saying it unrolled. Like, almost. Oh, really? Foil, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it was almost like tubular where it would just kind of like roll out like a, like a big sock. You know? Oh, like, okay. Yeah, like that. I don't guess. <laughs> costume. I mean, it's a comic book. Didn't his costume roll out of a ring at one point? No, that was the Flash. Oh, yeah. forget it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I just, uh, I just find it hilarious because huh? this will take a long time to dress up like Iron Man, and the Andy men are just watching. Oh, look at that! He's got Iron Man's underpants. Look. Yeah. There he Wait a minute. He's got Iron Man's gloves. What's going on? <laughs> what is he reaching for? Could it be Iron Man's helmet? And yeah. I love how the counter is in the corner of the, like, so from the, oh, that's right. From the detonation, like, sorry, from the triggering, it's 30 seconds Yeah. to 15. Really? It took him 15 seconds to put all that on? I don't know. <laughs> no, think it so. took like five because there's all that other time in between. So it literally took like, Four and a half seconds. He's very fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, yeah, Frogman, he doesn't care. He's like, hey, maybe we can hit him hard enough. We can, mister, don't kid yourself. But they're they're not going to give up. So then Birdman jumps in. He's, holy jeez, I didn't sign on to fight no superheroes. I'm getting out of hit. 
<laughs> and then Iron Man grabs his foot. Sorry, Flyboy smashes him down. And then, oh, here comes what's his name? Monkey Man or Ape Man? <laughs> Ape Man. Ape Man. Ape Man. Yeah, you know, like tries to kind of like uh, wrestle him to the ground, but right. But then, nope. Iron Man block punches him out of the way. <laughs> but just as that moment, uh, Spy Master, the uh, thing counts down and it blows up. So Iron Man is actually saved by the fact that uh, he was so close to the window there. So he falls out, lands on the ground. And this is kind of a weird scene where he's got to get back up there because he's so worried about Whitney. He tries to fly, but he can't because his uh, his jet boots or whatever they're called are not working. So then he's got to take the elevator up. Yes. But then he, <laughs> he rips open the elevator doors and destroys the elevator. So he can't take that. So then he's got to run up the stairs. So it's kind of funny. And look, when he's grabbing <laughs> the uh, railing for the staircase, he's smashing the railing in his hand. Yep. But I guess the point of this is... He, they can't if his boots didn't break he'd just be able to fly up there they needed a delay so whitney could escape right 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 spoiler so they had to yeah. come up with some reason oh his boots don't work he has to take the stairs oh, right. all right <laughs> right so then yeah he runs up and uh yeah so then he runs into the security guard he's like and it's kind of funny puff puff iron man boy i'm glad you shut up i would have been here sooner myself only i was decked by your girlfriend pushing some old geezer in a wheelchair at the service entrance. I what? She's alive? So yeah, of course, Whitney's still alive, and so is uh, Count Nefaria. But notice, no one even asks about the Annie Man. What about Catman? Where is he? Oh, yeah, they're all dead. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you're right. Damn. No one knew they were up there. <laughs> Too bad. Iron Man did. Lament for the Annie Man. <laughs> so then yeah, so then he drives this like hover car thing to this house yes. or to this building, and uh, the Stark Industries. They're going yeah, to Stark streets. Industries. Right. So then, yeah, he goes, so this is kind of another weird scene where he goes in and he's like, uh, the, the security guard's like, oh, Iron Man, we got orders to evacuate the research complex. Orders from whom? Well, from Mr. Stark. Oh, oh, I see. Now, I don't really know about this, but I guess there's this life model decoy that's there, but I don't yeah. know if this is an ongoing plot or if yes. this is an evil I, decoy. I believe that it, it may have even been Mordecai Midas who like got alive because they were trying to take over Stark Industries. Like when they kidnapped Tony Stark, so they had this decoy go over and try and pretend to be Tony Stark. And I think then Iron Man just took control of it. Ah, uh, okay. And put it in. But then, like, Whitney and her dad are there, and sh they activated it to be security to protect them against Iron Man while they did their medical thing. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I'm honestly surprised that they don't have a remember this from this issue Yeah, back that would have helped. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. one time yeah. that would have been actually useful, they don't do it. <laughs> and right. it, and uh, the uh, Tony Stark uh, decoy guy, he cracks Iron Man over the back of the head with, it looks like a stick because it breaks like wood, but I guess it's a crowbar. But Yeah, it should have been painted well, like silver. It's just silver. colored poorly. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, a crowbar wouldn't break like that, though, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, good point. Well, Iron Man's pretty tough, though, right? His arm. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. It wouldn't break, yeah. So then, yeah, so this life model decoy, not only is he, does he look like Stark, he has the strength of Iron Man. So he's able yeah. to, you know, evenly match him in this fight until Iron Man takes his, um, his power storage pods and, and, you know, smash them together against the, the robot's head and electrocutes him. So that's how he's able to defeat him. Couldn't that's he have just, cool. you know, used his repulsor rays? Or? Yeah, but I like it when they get it creative. It's kind of cool. <laughs> All right. did this. So then, yeah, so then basically he, uh, so then now he smashes through the wall and he finds Whitney with uh, his father in this, like, uh, 
you know, whatever this is called. It's keeping them, uh, keeping them alive. Yeah, you always see these in like sci-fi movies and uh, in like a tube of water. Right. Uh, I don't know what would they call Jolie. What are they? What would you call that? Um, a wet <laughs> cryogenic chamber. <laughs> that sounds good. There you wet go. Cryogenic yeah. chamber. Yeah. So yeah, so Whitney wants to keep him there, but he's like, no, I'm going to take him to Avengers Mansion, where you know where the rejuvenation process can be monitored. I'm sorry, but she's like, f that. So then she <laughs> activates the Jupiter landing vehicle. And it says here it was developed by Stark uh, on a contract from NASA. And so it's this like giant Land Rover thing with like robot this, arms and claw arms. And a this big... is very Jack Kirby. Yes, right? totally, totally. And it says earmarked for exploring the cruel surface of the fifth planet. Of course, we all know that Jupiter doesn't have a surface. But whatever. <laughs> uh, That's what I was going to say. I was like, isn't it just gas? Yeah, that it is. make any sense. And I think they knew that back then, but I don't know. I guess this is Maybe that's the joke. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what a waste of $100 million. But anyway, they didn't realize till after. So, yeah. So then this thing starts fighting Iron Man, and he's fighting back. And, you know, he smashes it and then basically rips off an arm. And then he uh, throws it back at itself and smashes it through a wall. Kawam! And then he, <laughs> and then he rips off the, um, like the, it's like it's almost like a tank, like the the hatch of like the the top of it. And she's inside. And then he says capiche because you know <laughs> the '80s, I guess. Everyone said capiche back then. Yeah. Well, first he says, and I don't appreciate having the world I trust, uh, the world I trusted uh, you with turned against me. And yeah. he rips off the thing. Capiche. Yep, and it says the sound effect is crink clash, right? <laughs> Rips it up, and then uh, then the the security guards come in and are shooting at this Land Rover thing, and then he's like, okay, well I got to stop this thing, so he grabs it and he smashes it through a wall to stop it, right? But uh oh, we see tears coming through Madame Mask's mask, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I guess that ends it. At least no one was hurt. She's like, no one, Iron Man. Then perhaps you didn't notice the machinery you pushed the lander into. Oh my so, God. oops, it turns out that he smashed into, what did you call it, Jolie? A wet cryogenic. A wet cryo chamber? <laughs> yeah. Uh. And he smashed it to bits, right? So effectively killing Count Nefaria. And he's like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I didn't mean to. Whitney, it was an accident. We had to talk. And I love this ending. She's like, no, Tony. I'm afraid we have nothing to talk about. I didn't ask for this to happen, but it did. And though I still love you and understand that you did what you had to, Nefaria was my father, and somehow that changes things. I'll keep in touch, but right now I just need to be alone. <laughs> I love that. I have a lot of things to sort out, Tony, a lot of me, and I've got a feeling that may take a long, long time. The end. This, this was very personal to me because that's exactly how my first marriage ended. <laughs> I... You killed your mother-in-law? <laughs> I, I pushed a giant tank <laughs> into a wet cryogenic chamber oh, and it killed boy. my father-in-law. Yeah, yeah, very sad. I've happily named it a rejuvenation tank. <laughs> but I could oh. ask, Mike Dell, did she keep in touch though? Like she said she would. No. no. See? <laughs> Liar. Anyway. Notice uh, Madame Mask, when she's given that little heartfelt uh, spiel there, uh, There's uh, it's yellow. The word balloons are yellow. Good is point. That, was that an accident? Or? Uh, maybe it means she's also a life model decoy? I don't know. No, <laughs> I, probably just to separate it from the white of the background. I don't know. Uh, there's also a part uh, I wanted to mention when he's shoving that tank 
the Jupiter thing into you know killing Count Nefaria. Uh, they're saying something about how no ordinary man would be able to. Do you see that part, Michael? Uh, oh yeah. And so, how could an ordinary man, even with his straining muscles amplified by the most advanced electronic circuitry known, ever hope to stop it? Quite simply, an ordinary man couldn't. Yeah, Iron Man. This is Iron Man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Scratchum. <laughs> on that. Scratchum. All right. I love it. So there you go. That's Iron Man 116. Uh, the, the death toll there is pretty high. We got the four any men blown up and we yeah. got Count Nefaria squashed <laughs> yeah. by a Jupiter rover. Uh-huh. At least five security guards. Uh, one, <laughs> yeah. one golem of Tony Stark. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. Um, who else dies? I like this game. <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of dead people in Iron Man One Sixteen. Uh, does it really count as death if you are a um life? What is it? A life model decoy? Yeah, it's in all kind of uh, interesting debates there. Yeah. yeah, like that TV show Humans. Did you either of you guys watch Humans? No, never. Why is that familiar? Humans. Very good. It was on A and E, I think, or AMC. AMC, not A and E. Um. It's like three is a British show. I think they oh. may have filmed it in Canada, so you guys probably really? saw it sometime. <laughs> but that's crazy. Yeah, it is British. It reminds me of the Cylons. Uh, does it really matter if you kill a Cylon if yeah. there are more versions coming? It's all about robots and whether they have consciousness. That's yeah, good stuff. Anyway, all right. So the creators here we mentioned uh, David Michelini. Yep. I learned to pronounce his name, and I'm very proud. Uh, <laughs> He we we've talked about both the creators in the past, but uh, he wrote Iron Man one sixteen to one fifty seven, yeah, and that was from seventy eight to eighty two, and then he came back uh, to do issues two fifteen to two fifty from yep. eighty seven eighty nine, so two very long extended runs on Iron Man, and uh, Ramita Junior he did twenty seven issues between one fifteen and one fifty six from seventy eight to eighty two, and then he did ten other issues uh, two fifty six to two sixty six from ninety ninety one, so. Because I'm sure when people think Ramita, right away they think uh, Daredevil, X Men. They probably forget about Iron Man, but uh, yeah, because it was earlier. But yeah, I think Bob Layton's more associated with it. But yeah, people tend to forget it was Ramita drawing it. And but Bob Layton was inking here, and he also was co-plotting with Michelini, which right. is interesting. You don't see that too often in inker co-plotting. No. Uh, but we should mention at this point, Ramita's career. This is early on, and so he was just basically doing the breakdowns here. And I think if you look at the art. You could recognize Bob Layton art in this easily, mm-hmm. um, but like if you're more familiar with Ramita's later stuff, you would not recognize this as a Ramita. I don't. No, think. no, not at all. It's it's very Bob Laytony. Like I but, definitely think it's professional, but it's not great art by any means. It's it's like clean uh, comic book art, but right. there's nothing like innovative or spectacular right. about it. It's just solid. Right. Um, but again, there are some great panels where you get those dynamic poses and this classic Marvel like uh, camera tilts, you know, and yes. just that kind of stuff. Um, so well, yeah, and also like it, it, he's actually like the issues of Spider-Man that GI Jolie and I are reviewing on Spider-Cast are also drawn by Romita Jr. So Jolie, do you like this? Or do you like Amazing Spider-Man or? I actually it? like this way more. It hold it held my attention. Do you know, what? I don't like. This like I read a re a digital reprint and it's obviously recolored and I right. hate it. Yeah. Um. I hate the recoloring, but I love the art. Um. They didn't. Um. The line work didn't really get super sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which I mean, it's it's a newer comic, so they probably have more access to this. Um, mm. But yeah, like this, for some reason, there's just something different about the action that's happening in regards to the art than is what than what happens in Spider Man that kind of attracted me and holds my attention a little bit more. Now, yeah. Do you guys remember who's inking those Spider Man issues? Yeah, it was mostly Jim Mooney and Frank Giacoya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I'm guessing that's why, because well. right, yeah, the great yeah. anchors, but this is more detailed. Yeah, like I would, I would argue that those two inkers are a little more artful in their like marks than this inker. This is like how I, this is how I imagine a typical comic book looking. Yeah, and so it's, it's not intrusive like I can I can focus on the story um, I mean the story is also the art but I'm not like wallowing in the art in right. a way that I would when I am really attracted to art like this is just like co- comic book art it serves the story it's perfect yep. yeah very clean and mm-hmm. uh, like you said it doesn't get in the way and th- there are those classic uh, images like that the jupiter bursting through that jupiter machine bursting through the wall that is classic jack kirby mm-hmm. and uh like the way it's positioned the angle it's on and everything mm-hmm. uh like that kind of stuff uh, there's a lot of that in here so yeah, yeah I, enjoy, I enjoyed it so much destruction of raw material as well that is like very typical and, um, like uh, bending of yeah. irons mm-hmm. and like just things you wouldn't like um inhuman feats it would take to mm-hmm. to destroy these kind of things and that's what i really like too and just a, another little panel after he shocks that decoy and he's just running down the hall if you look at that panel of him running down the hall that's straight out of how to draw comics the marvel way mm-hmm. like uh, how he's elongated and running yeah out. yep palms up yeah so there's a lot of good stuff here uh what about the writing julie how'd you feel about the writing um, the writing was also fine. Um, I think he has a, Iron Man has a different voice than Spider-Man where Spider-Man's kind of like, he's like a teenager. He's supposed to be read as a teenager. Iron Man is like an adult. He's a scientist. So there's not as much, um, <clears throat> attention to like, there's no, sorry, they don't dwell on, um, or they're not preoccupied with making him sound a certain way. He just sounds like Iron Man. I don't know how to describe that, but like, mm-hmm. it doesn't detract from the story that I'm reading. Um, the the dialogue to me is fine. There's nothing strange about the way he speaks. It's very like I would assume typical of a a billionaire inventor. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, again, not it doesn't uh, it doesn't detract from the story at all. It the pacing is really well done. I mean, sometimes, um, sometimes the narration is a little much. Um, I'm glad that they left the flashbacks to three panels for like Count Nefaria, because that could have been terrible. Like some of these Marvel team ups I've been reading, they'll do flashbacks for five pages, and it's <laughs> like a slog. So it was. It's nice to kind of see like a cleaner pared down version of that in iron man it's like they care about this character more why are you reading marvel team-ups is that the spider-man podcast it's yeah. for yeah it's for another comic book syndicate podcast here comes a spider cast yeah, but okay. you know <laughs> insert plug later <laughs> <laughs> uh we should mention the big uh the, the big uh, love story here because you know mad of mask and iron man mm. but iron man he has to do what's right there's a 
he gives her a speech there uh, before she unleashes the Jupiter thing on him. You know, uh, Nefaria may be your father, Whitney, but he's also one of the most dangerous men in the world. And no matter what I feel, I'm still an Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> See, look at that. <laughs> duty over the lady. He's, he's got to take duty over love. But uh, so they, they split up Michael. You know, they're no longer a couple after this issue. And Madam Mask, she goes a little crazy, I guess. Really? And she secludes herself <laughs> somewhere. And she's always, she starts making her own live, I, I think they call them bio decoy, bio something or other. Okay. But basically, she clones herself and starts sending out clones of herself out into the world to do missions. But she stays secluded in like some secret base. So, really? Yeah. That's weird. Huh. That sounds exactly how I want to live the rest of my <laughs> life. You, go out for groceries. You, walk the cat. <laughs> yes. Walk the cat. <laughs> yeah. Or the hamster, whoever you have to <laughs> But uh, try, I guess Nefaria, he, he eventually comes back his eye, like all ionic energy. Like he doesn't have a physical body. He's really? ionic. Of course. Yeah. yeah, they never just die. <laughs> and then they always come back. Except for the Anti-Men. They're all dead. But, you know, just different incarnations of the Anti-Men. But, uh, I, I don't think we've paid enough tribute to the Anti-Men, Michael. We need to yeah, really... I love the Anti-Men. I mean, they're definitely kind of like a throwback to, like, 50s-style villains with their names that match their, you know, animals. But it's just so really weird that they cool. do have... Let's just be giant animals. Yeah. Right? They're definitely cool. And I like how they have matching costumes. You know, that's cool. And, and I think at some point, one of the iterations of them, uh, the high evolutionary actually makes them into like animal men. Really? I think so. Huh. Maybe like the third group. The high evolutionary. Okay, let's see. Buzzard. Crustacean. Flying fox. Flying fox. Also, they have evolutions. So... The, the yeah komodo dragon and a spider which mike will hate so. <laughs> oh and then another gentleman his assistant miles warren or the jackal who i assume is a jackal that's right yeah remember uh -huh. the jackal michael spider-man villain the jackal uh-huh and also uh punisher was going after uh, the first appearance of punisher isn't he trying to get the jackal uh yeah i think you're right about that yep uh, how about that <laughs> wild wild stuff all right, anything else about Iron Man either of you would like to mention? I don't know. I mean, I grew up reading David Michelin, Iron Man, so this is definitely, you know, like this is the voice of Iron Man in my head. Like any other writer that writes him doesn't feel quite right to me, you know? Hmm. So this is definitely good stuff. And, I, and I, like I said, I did go on to read his entire run, his entire first run up to whatever it was, 150. And then I'm going to eventually go back and reread his second run as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, is his stuff always like lighthearted like this like or oh. not lighthearted but like it's like a flight flights of fancy less serious than a demon in a bottle type story yeah but he did do demon in a bottle but yeah he definitely his yeah like his spider-mans are definitely lighter than roger stern's for sure but he's definitely a good writer for sure i mean i guess i mean iron man in general oh iron man uh mm -hmm. i don't know I don't think so. I mean, kind of average, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, th this issue did have several dead bodies in the breakup of yeah. a relationship. So. It's definitely not dark. It's definitely not like a gritty, dark, you know, 
series is more science fiction-y, I think, because of all the technology and stuff, so. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I'm kind of, like, not getting full, like, fully out of this thing, is that I really like the story, but there's so much more potential to go deeper and be a little, like, um, to just be a little bit richer of a story. Like, I when you said that... Uh, Madam Mask just goes away and becomes crazy and creates like duplicates of herself. I was like, oh, she doesn't just try to kill Iron Man. Like I would devote the rest of my life to killing the man <laughs> who took my family away from me. Well, she knows her father was a creep. So she wasn't really like, you know, she had loyalty to her father, but she also knew he was criminal yeah. mastermind. So. Also, like he's a, she's a little bit evil, right? So like... <laughs> Also, keep in mind, she's, she's not a big fan of her father either because her father gave her up for adoption. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so. she found out about it, like, way later. Yep. So, I don't know. Now, one of the reasons, I guess, she went crazy is because she felt she could no longer trust the men in her life because she couldn't mm. trust Tony Stark. She couldn't trust her dad. And so she just wanted to keep everyone away from herself. So she just wanted to be by herself. Men at the root of all women's problems. <laughs> Ain't that just the thing? <laughs> yep. So there you go, Madam Mask. I like Madam Mask as a character, though. Uh, she she has a She's very cool, striking yeah. appearance with that mask, and I still I really did try to find out how she got her face healed. Now it seems like at some point uh, she was with a group that were collecting the Infinity Gems, and that's how she got her face healed. But I don't really? think that. But I don't think that was until years after this. So, like, I don't know. If, uh, like I, I'm just confused how she became that Chrissy Longfellow lady. Mm, I don't know either. I have no clue. Maybe just all makeup and stuff. Uh, I don't know. That's not... Maybe we're gonna have to read it. I, yeah, <laughs> I recommend definitely. <laughs> you're gonna read Iron Man. You, you you could even start one issue before this because technically part one of this is by a different writer. But yeah, I would start at one fifteen and go from there because there's some good stuff coming after this for sure. I, I've never read Demon in a Bottle. I've never read Armor Wars. I've really oh, they're good. Uh, good. So maybe I'll read some of that at some point. But uh, definitely, uh, I'll, I'll give this issue a six. Um, it was enjoyable. It was kind of fun. You get to see the Annie Men. Um, but uh, I didn't. I don't know. I, I didn't really like the depiction of Tony Stark. I thought he was kind of annoying. Um, well, I'll give it a six point five only because I know obviously it gets better. But and I and, and you know. The characterization of Tony gets better because this is only my so. first issue. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because I know it gets better, I'll give it a 6.5. But it definitely made me want to keep reading. And just mm. the ridiculousness of him changing into his armor. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of lost me. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think they had to kill the Anti-Men because like now no one knows he's Tony Stark except, you know. Yeah, that was kind of convenient, eh? Yeah, otherwise if they, if they get away, then they all know he's Tony. So yeah, they had to kill him. Uh-huh. But, um, Jolie, one out of ten. Huh. I give this six Annie Men out of ten. <laughs> there you go. I give that suit though, which makes him look like a Texas oil like tycoon. <laughs> um I give that an eight. Oh, wow. There you mm -hmm. go. It takes a specific kind of man to do a purple tie with a double Windsor, so. <laughs> Now, when you say six Anti-Men out of ten, are they just any random Anti-Men, or is it like six Cat-Men, <laughs> three Ape-Men, two Bird-Men, and a Frog-Man, or mm -hmm. any breakdown Let, there? 
I am partial to <laughs> La Grenouille, so let's just choose the frog. <laughs> Six frogmen, yeah. Six <laughs> frogmen. All right, so there's Iron Man. Uh, next week, Mike, are you ready? I am ready. We're going to go to a kind of an obscure title. I've never read a single book of this title. Okay. Uh, but it's one of the most critically acclaimed series in Marvel Comics during the 1970s. Conan. Close. Okay. <laughs> From 1977, we're going to go Master of Kung Fu. Whoa! Issue 48. Okay, I'm just taking this in here. This is written by, uh, what, Doug Mensch, right? Is that yep. his name? Yep, Doug And Mench. drawn by Paul Gillacy. Right. Nice. Master of Kung Fu, issue 48. Why'd you pick this one? Well, uh, I wanted to find... Something with, because uh, there's three big errors of Master of Kung Fu. Uh, Mench wrote them all. But the mm-hmm. first one has artist Paul Gulacy, who we've never talked about. And I guess who was very popular at the time as an artist. So I wanted to talk about him. Uh, the second error had Mike Zeck. And okay. then the th- we've talked about Mike Zeck before in the show. So, yeah. And the third error had a, an artist named Gene Day. Oh, yeah. I know Gene Day. Yeah. Sat- he, passed, he passed away when he was very young. Yeah, he did. That's right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he was apparently, from what I heard, he was just crossing the street and he died of a heart attack. Wow. Is, yes, and he's only like 30-something. So that's very strange. Well, I need to research that more. Uh, but so there's like the three big eras. So I figure we'll go to the the first era. And this story in particular is from a big arc they did called uh, the Dream Slayer, I think. Cool. And it's about eight-issue story. So this is right in the middle of it. Or towards the end, I guess. Uh, but Master of Kung Fu 48. So if you like the Kung Fu, get ready. <laughs> and you know there is a movie coming, right? I did not know that. Yes. I thought I saw a poster of that on Reddit. I was like, wait a second, they're making a Kung Fu movie? Finally! Yes. Wow. Shang-Chi. Are they going to make it cool, though, or are they going to make it stupid? Which is going to be... <laughs> well, I'll just tell you, it's called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, oh brother. Cool, eh? I had it's no very... idea. That. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out uh, May seventh, two thousand twenty-one. If movies still exist by next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, exciting. Was I'm so that? jealous of you guys. Shang Chi fights his father Fu Manchu on the bridge of a yeah. thousand dooms. <laughs> bridge oh. of a thousand dooms. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So kung fu of Marvel. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into the background of. Uh, how Fu Manchu plays into this and uh, everything. Because, Michael, I knew nothing about uh, Master of Kung Fu. I just assumed it was like a typical Kung Fu story. But apparently he was like a spy, and it's more like James Bond in this era. I don't think I've ever read a Master of Kung Fu story. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. We'll get into it next week with Master of Kung Fu. Cool. All right, so I guess that wraps up this episode. Uh, so you guys can find episodes of Flea Market Fantasy on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and our Comic Book win- Syndicate website. And this is all under Comic Book Syndicate, just to make it as confusing as possible. But this is Flea Market Fantasy, and there is a new episode every Tuesday. And I'd once again like to thank G.I. Jolie for joining us. Thanks, Jolie. You're very welcome. Yep, and I'd like to thank Mike Dell for 37 great episodes, and hopefully there's at <laughs> least 37 more. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're really ambitious here. Anyway, so yeah, 
Join us next week for Master of Kung Fu number 48. And until then, disperse! <laughs>